Hey, everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're here to welcome you to another episode of the Almighty Podcast, episode 95, to be specific. That is an awfully high number. Yeah, it is, man. We have we've gone so far from where we first started. You know, the the first time we uh, sat down and talked about My Hero Academia, and I think we talked about One Piece and a handful of other shows, and then like I sliced and diced our talk, and that's our episode one, and it, it's crazy. Episode ninety five. We are five episodes from episode one hundred, which feels like a huge mile marker. I mean, it's I guess it's really just another kind of random number right it's not even technically two years because that would be like 104 or something but we're well past two years now since we've been releasing every other week yeah once we caught up to where the anime was uh, as far as current uh current with the anime is concerned we went we switched just to keep our format because we we you know we fell into this format we really like it and uh the timetable worked out a little better for us it also afforded us having weeks off in between episodes of the amp also afforded us the time to eventually dream up uh kyo cinema and oh, give yeah. us something to do every week all over again which has been great and if you really enjoy the shows we would appreciate a review on itunes or spotify that's a thing now you can like go on there and leave us a few stars uh amp's got a handful so we really appreciate the folks that have left us good reviews Kyo Cinema could use a little love. We would we would love it if you went over there and gave us a review. Uh, it helps get the show out, and you know we love that. We've we've got a, a great following. We've got a lot of friends in Discord, and we invite you to come partake in that. If you haven't checked out our Discord, if you're not on Twitter, uh, which we can totally understand, then there's links in the descriptions. There's links on Twitter, but come hang out, say hi. We love it when people stop in and and talk with us. Uh, we've got a lot going on. It's true. Not even Adam has rated Kyo Cinema on iTunes. I mean, I don't yeah. mean to call him out, but it's true. Right? I know. <laughs> that, I got to get on that. I didn't follow AMP on Twitter for like two years, though. Yeah, so. yeah. Is it, is it Salt the Pot or Pepper the Pot where we, we got to sprinkle in our own, you know, it's like leaving some uh, change in the tip jar before anybody walks in the, the store for the for the first time that day. It's just it like, oh, yeah, appealing. somebody yeah somebody before me has already done this. And so yeah. you, they do it, too. If They That's follow true. suit. I need to write a script that does a bunch of bots that listens to our episodes, and then we can say that we have thousands of listeners. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Uh, all right. Well, this, this week we're covering episodes slash chapters 98 and 99 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. Again, if you're joining us for the first time, episode 95, weird place to hop on, but welcome. Um, we're not covering My Hero proper right now, as we tend to refer to it. Um, we're anime current only we're not reading ahead in the manga um, and in the absence of the anime being available to stream um, we have shifted gears and we've spent some time looking at some of the my hero academia smash volumes i made a terrible mistake and looked into the light novels at one point uh, but we really <laughs> found a really comfortable spot with uh, my hero academia vigilantes which we've been loving um, and we are i mean dangerously close to being caught all the way up even with it uh, because right now, I think currently the manga has released 118 chapters. Uh, we're going to end tonight just shy of one hundred of the 100th chapter. Um, so we are close. We, we are close to being cu current with this other thing, this other corner of the My Hero Academia world. It kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, we even like slowed down our reading pace because we were covering four chapters an episode. We've slowed it down to two chapters. That way we can have a little bit more content out there. Uh, as our listeners will know, once we run out of this, we've only got like shirts and ties from Hot Topic. So That's right. We still got a couple volumes of Smash to cover. We haven't covered any of the team up mission stuff yet. There's still content out there. 
that is between us and Hot Topic uh, ties and socks. Um, but one day, it's it's going to happen. It's going to feel like a <laughs> meme when it does. But if we need the content, damn it, we're going to cover socks and ties from Hot Topic. It'll be great. I can't wait. <laughs> That's right. So getting back into episode 98 and 99 of Vigilante's episode 98 is titled Irrational. And the first page of this is just ominous. It is a shot from behind of Aizawa where you're looking over his long haired and scarf wrapped shoulders at a Koichi who looks like a deer caught in the headlights. Yeah, no joke. I mean, this is a great place to pick off because it's right where we left off from the last chapter. He just ran into Koichi, and he's ready to take him out, we think. Uh, but let's let's pick right up here. Koichi's looking super nervous, and he's like, uh, hey, it's been a while. How you doing there, Mr. Eraser, sir? And uh, Aizawa is very much, I mean, he is being the pro hero that he needs to be. And he's given the crawler this stare down. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Koichi's trying to keep his distance. He realizes that these pro heroes are after him because he's already been chased down by Best Genist and also um, Edshot and even Ingenium, who he's been able to escape, uh, all three of them. So it's pretty impressive, really. But Aizawa is trying to convince him otherwise. Like, hey, look, this is uh, not necessarily what you think it is. And he, he like, does a Spider-Man-ish noise. That's like the onomatopoeia they have here with a flap. And he, he grabs onto a pipe behind Koichi, which I thought was interesting because he's definitely accurate enough to just wrap himself around Koichi, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. So he's just intimidating him. Uh, but he says, fine, listen up, uh, Ingenium, Best Genist, Edshot, all those top heroes have come to this part of town for your sake. Like, you could almost say that they're on your side. They're here for your safety. And uh, Koichi doesn't quite agree with that. He he definitely doesn't think that it is the truth. Um, but Aizawa mentions the Sky Egg Kid, which I guess is probably what all the pro heroes think of him as, because he really was a huge help to Captain Celebrity back in the day. Yeah, and I don't know that anybody in the public knows of the Sky Ed Kid because Sukauchi had him redacted from all that stuff. Right. Um, so it would be only the pro hero community that would have any kind of knowledge of him there. And maybe even just the ones initially, at least, who were actually involved in the Sky Egg uh, incident. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, as I was telling him that those heroes are being very understanding about Koichi's position and the way that he's acting. I mean, realistically, these pro heroes could take Koichi out like immediately, I would think. But I think they're kind of giving him a little bit of leeway. Like he's definitely surprised them, but they're letting him surprise them, if that makes sense. Uh, and Aizawa doesn't agree with this. He says, that's irrational. He says, guys like you don't stop and reflect on their actions until some bones get broken. Won't do you any good to coddle you. And he like rips that pipe out over Koichi and kind of shocks him. Yeah, and Koichi realizes that Aizawa is kind of trying to shake him down a little bit. Uh, not for anything that he has in his pocket so much as to try to get him to come reasonably uh, and... Uh, to, to just go along with whatever it is that the pro heroes are, are wanting from him, which initially at least seems to be him turning himself over or in. Um, but Koichi has got other plans in mind. So he begins to try to slide and glide back and away from Aizawa. But Aizawa does the Aizawa thing. Uh, he cancels out Koichi's quirk. And it, it seems to me that uh, Koichi had to even be reminded of the fact that that was Aizawa's quirk. Um, because he, later on, I think in this chapter, has to recall that the Hata brothers were the ones that told him 
that that's what Aizawa's quirk can do. He, I don't know that he's ever seen it in person, or he definitely hasn't had it uh, used against him, but it takes him by surprise, but not so much so that he isn't able to recover, and instead of relying upon his quirk, he relies upon just his you know own two legs and starts running. Yeah, which, I don't know, this whole thing feels kind of weird to me. Like, I, I guess I understood him getting past the other three, but with Aizawa's specific quirk and his ability to use the neck wrap the way he does, I felt like this should have been over with. Like, he could have wrapped Koichi up that first time instead of hitting the pipe. He could have wrapped him up whenever he's dashing away. Like, he definitely has the capabilities, so I don't know... I don't know that I understand why Aizawa's not just getting him. It seems like it would make more sense and more up Aizawa's alley to just completely end it right then and there. I agree. Uh, Aizawa himself is presenting as the same kind of irrational he's accusing the other pro heroes of right. being. Um, but I think that, again, if if this were pretty much anybody but Koichi, he would have operated in that way. But there is this relationship element that exists between them. And relationships some, some, sometimes do lead you to do some of the more irrational things out of a respect for or care for the individual with whom you're having to have sometimes these really difficult conversations with. So that That's feels true. kind of real, you know? Yeah, I'll give you that. That's true. I guess I'm giving a little bit more credence to these pro heroes than I should. Like, they have emotions, right? Well, yeah, and even Aizawa does. He tries to bury them, but, I mean, present Mike knows better. I think that uh, Midnight knows better. There, there are just folks in his inner circle of friends that he try, he they realize he tries to present himself as this cold bastard, but they see through that oftentimes. I mean, like the last time present we saw present Mike in Vigilantes, he was accusing Aizawa of being a big softy, kind of, because he was listening into the news in Naruhata. Um, it's true. You know, yeah, keeping an that. ear out and an eye on, figuratively speaking, um, these these vigilantes with whom he has this standing relationship and with whom I would say he has, or for whom he has a tremendous amount of respect, even though he knows that they're kind of walking that fine line of, you know, that that gray area between hero and villain. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I like that. That's that's a good point. Uh, well, Koichi's running off. He has dashed, dashed away, and he's like knocking through a handful of civilians, and they're all recognizing him. Like they're like, "Hey, watch where you're going, Crawler," which I thought was really funny. Uh, but they ask him, you know, like, "Why is he running normal?" That's kind of strange. And as we are seeing these people just kind of interacting with with Koichi and seeing Aizawa fly over them, we're also being treated to seeing what I am guessing are some no moves of some kind. Yeah, I think that they kind of remind me, I, I meant to look back at these, but uh, we, we talked about the Sky Egg incident. I think that the the winged bomber things had faces kind of like this. Yeah. Where it was just like kind of featureless, but with like a weirdly lipped mouth was the only thing visible. Although these guys also have scars, which we might talk about later, that because they're just like um, sixes. Six, right. Um but yeah, that that was the vibe I got from them. At first, I I thought maybe it was ectoplasm, but that's what ecto I thought too. Yeah, ectoplasm's mouth is way different. Um, and then he, they kind of look like uh uh shoot the octo octoid dude that's working at the with the Hoda Bros, whose name I know means like squid octopus is first and last name. Oh, Ikijiro. Yeah. Ikijiro, Ikijiro, yeah, I think that's right. A, yeah, has a similar kind of face, um, but these they these definitely brought to mind the, the little bomb flying bomber dudes. Um, I don't know. Maybe that means they have the same quirk. We don't see any of that. We don't see them exploding anywhere in these two chapters. But um, maybe the s aesthetic is just not 
quite there like I'm remembering it. I didn't mean to look that up, but I didn't. I'm a bad podcaster. I didn't do my research. (laughs) Well, we're treated to the scene that you mentioned a few moments ago where Koichi is realizing that the Hata brothers told them about Aizawa's quirk, and he is like trying to navigate in and out of these different back alleys and just get away from Aizawa. Uh, but Aizawa knows exactly where he is, and he realizes, like, oh, yeah, duh, he used to work here in this area. Like, he's going to know all my shortcuts. There are no secrets to him. And uh, Aizawa is consistently using his quirk to cause Koichi to, like, in this instance, fall off the side of the building. But he pulls out Master's grappling hook, and he's able to evade him again. And Aizawa's kind of, like, giving him a little props here. He's like, holy crap, that's twice now he's done this. He was completely unfazed by my erasure. Yeah, Aizawa is impressed here, but he's still very much on a mission. (laughs) So he's realizing that uh, Koichi is very adaptable. Uh, So if you cut off his quirk, he's going to do his best to almost reflexively react to whatever the new situation is. So earlier it was running on his own two legs, which he, you know, who, who knows how long it's been since he's done that. Now he's falling and he whips out a grappling hook. And so Aizawa is, um, he, he says this later on, he says, this kid is one tough customer, you know, realizing that Koichi is just staying, he's trying to stay out of Aizawa's line of sight. Every time he feels like he can activate his quirk, he does to try to gain just a little bit of an advantage in this cat and mouse chase. Uh, and I believe we see him kind of taking off like a rocket in one of these panels coming up, uh, further evading Aizawa, uh, which, you know, Koichi, we've seen him do some pretty impressive, evasive maneuvers over the course of these last two chapters, um, fleeing from pro heroes, all of them in the process. Yeah, we we transition back over to Sukuauchi, who's standing in front of the hospital, and it sounds like he's checking in with all the pro heroes. Uh, he's talking to Ida Ten Control. And they're explaining that Eraserhead is already in pursuit. Ingenium and Edaton's second team is right behind them, basically, along with Best Genus and Edshot. And, uh, you know, he's like, all right, well, keep me updated. Midnight, on the other hand, gets a phone call from Kugasaki, or, you know, I know him as Soga. And Sukoichi's like, what? Is that Soga? Like, hand it over. And, and Soga even tells Midnight, put the flat foot on the line. And he's explaining to Sukuauchi, like, hey, look, I'm sorry that I had to give you the slip, but I was kind of hoping Koichi would be able to get out of here, clean escape, and then we could negotiate. However, I didn't expect you to send all these pro heroes after him. And he goes on to explain further, like, look, you got to make some kind of a a deal here. We've got to figure out how to come together and work on this, because what's happening right now is exactly what the villain wants. We are fighting each other. We're not working together. And he's out there doing whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. And I think Soga's dead on here. And Sue Couchy is pissing me off. Like, he's been frustrating me for really since he called for this war in Unkoichi. Because as I've said in previous episodes, it's 99, if not 100%, a pride thing for him. And at this point, he is. It's a blindness that he that Soga is trying to get him to snap out of. Because right now, Soga realizes that they have all these pro heroes uh, as resources in the field trying to catch a quote-unquote villain who, in a I can't remember if it's in the, the end of this chapter or the beginning of the next, who the public recognizes and assumes is a pro hero in his own right. That's what they see when they see Koichi. So it's got to be even more confusing to them that they see pros chasing who the, who they assumed was a pro. Um, and this pro or this vigilante, this villain, whatever they want to call Koichi, is benign, if not entirely beneficial 
to Naruhata. Like he'd done nothing disastrous. It's all of Kui, or all of uh, Sukauchi's language has been has been preventative. We can't let this go on any longer, or things could go bad. Which I guess is noble, but it I don't think that it's motivation enough for him to take the measures that they're doing now. And he has zero mind on Six or any anything related to him whatsoever. This is 100% mm-hmm. Koichi. So Six is going to come onto the scene and get away with so much really quickly, even if the pros are able to mitigate it and get it, get the gain the upper hand after a short period of time. Time lost to a villain is, is significant, and Absolutely. it's going to be Sukauchi's fault. Absolutely. He's got laser focus on Koichi and that's all he can see right now. And, you know, Soga even tells him like, all we want is to guard the hospital. If that's such a crime, then let us play for it later. When all is said and done, I'm not even asking you to fully give in, like just adjust your game plan a little bit. He even kind of throws Tanama in Sukuauchi's face. He says that other cop Tanama, I bet he'd be willing to meet in the middle. Of course, Sukuauchi has to say he's not available. We know that he is no longer alive, uh, we assume, uh, or he is at least on his deathbed. Uh, but this is where Soga really puts it to him, and he says, that's the only reason I'm telling you to make the right call. You know, you're giving the enemy exactly what he wants. And uh, man, is he ever, because the very next scene is Six, who uh, I guess is listening in somehow. It seems yeah, like he's hacked un- the phones. <laughs> yeah, it was unclear how he was able... I mean, he definitely... Uh, implies that he heard what what has been going on. I mean, yeah. through a phone too. But. Right. Maybe it's one of his quirks. We don't know all of his quirks. That's true. So he uh, apparently has been planning quite a bit. He is uh, at least up on a rooftop. It looks like he's looking down on the scene, and he says, "Well, Soga's not the perfect little angel he pretends to be, but yes, the heroes, the cops, and the vigilantes are too busy tripping each other." up to realize that they should be allies and of course he's got his uh like weird manifestation of o'clock next to him that's just agging it on like yes exactly the key to everything is teamwork (laughs) yeah it's strange i have some new ideas about this o'clock visage or uh ghostly figure that you know this projection may be of his consciousness especially after next chapter so when we get into next chapter don't let me forget at the end if i don't bring it up in the midst of our conversation Okay. To maybe drop a, a little bit more theory on him because he's doing some things in the next chapter, uh, particularly that I'm like, maybe I'm not right about what exactly this thing is, uh, and we'll we'll cover why then. Well, O'Clock tells Six that it is time to begin. He says, "Demonstrate your ability," and we get another little sing song uh, from Six. He says, "As you wish, Master," and I, lightning comes out of his eyes. I think like that's what it looks like, uh, and. We see all of these anonymous, no-moo-looking figures kind of like looking up into the sky, and we get treated to what I would assume would be a narrator if uh, this was a TV show. Uh, And it says, uh, that's what finally kicked it all off, the Crawler's final battle. And they have decided the name for the events of this day are referred to as the Nightmare Night or the Naruhata Lockdown. So uh, some things are about to really get crazy, I think. Yeah, I really like this two-page spread that shows uh, Six on this rooftop as the city around him darkens after he presumably acts as an EMP of some kind. Um, you know, it's really it looks really cool. It does look cool, and I like this, but it felt way too much like Nine from the movie. I mean, this is almost exactly what he did. Like he went and got some lightning power and like shut down a city almost in the first like ten fifteen minutes. It seemed like. Yeah, that's true, but I think that we've already drawn lines between six and nine, right? We have, yeah. It just seems kind of uh, rehashed, I guess. Yeah. Well, 
if uh, Disney has taught me anything, you don't have to reinvent the wheel to to do something that <laughs> feels new. And That's so true. Even something borrowed can seem fresh if it's framed in the right way. And so I, I didn't have any problems with him popping this EMP. And that takes us into episode 99, which is called Phases, um, which is appropriately titled because he, uh, in this chapter starts laying out for us, the reader, the phases of his plane. He's thought this out. It's it's well articulated. And so far, as chapter 99 allows us to see, it seems pretty well executed, like he's organized and efficient. Um, so let's get into chapter 99. Um, so he calls this thing Operation Anana. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I just did with my mouth. <laughs> That's funny. I'm leaving it in. Uh, Operation Anonymous. Um, and then he begins to say what all these phases are. So phase one was uh, several simultaneous electromagnetic pulse attacks. So I don't know if the other weird things walking around in the trench coats uh, in the scars also did EMPs of their own, or if he just did one in it. I don't know. That part I wasn't so clear on. Um, but it shuts off not just power, but communications. And communications is big, especially when you're trying to coordinate uh, amongst several pro heroes on a scene, police in any, you know, precinct or whatever. Comms are a big deal. Yeah. You um, know, I, I really assumed that Team Edaton would have a way around this. Like, with how long they've been together and how big their team is, I felt like they would have some kind of backup communications. Um, what would you have to switch to? Uh, radio of some kind maybe yeah but even then i mean based off the way that he's described this i don't know that radio would work yeah i mean it seems to have fried all electric uh, electric everything um because he says that lights and sound are abruptly lost so like a full shutdown of everything like you just flip the breaker on the entire city or at least a sizable chunk of it uh where it is that they're operating in naruhata agreed well before we go too far i I also want to say real quick the front cover for 99 is so cool like six is standing on top of this like tower and he's got this kind of superhero pose and he looks like he's dressed like knuckle duster and he almost even kind of has all might's weird like little pidgeotto hair i i love this cover i think it's really cool he he does have some style. I mean, you can't you can't take that away from Six. He's he's got style. He definitely has a flair for the dramatic. Um, we saw that in full force when we first met him, and he had like drawn out this theatrical debut for himself. And I imagine that that's part of what is motivating him even now. Like, let's talk about motivations for this guy right now. The it has to be like petty revenge right yeah i was gonna ask that too like the only thing i can think of is that he wants to get queen b back maybe I, that's I, the only thing i can think of either that or he's just out to be kind of a dick to everybody and that's what he's getting his rocks off on i guess i think that he is super pissed at koichi for what koichi did in keeping him from having six's own uh heroic debut and i think that he realizes that kazuo or Popstep is very uh, important to Koichi. So yeah. I think his plan right now, I mean, we end chapter 99 with the weird faceless things in trench coats standing outside of the hospital. Right. Um, so the target is pop. And I think that that's just one of the phases. And it's like, you know, phase one, phase two. And then, you know, uh, you know, at the end, instead of profit, it's get my fullest revenge on Koichi. That's that's the only thing I can think is going on right now. I guess so, yeah, because it, it's kind of open-ended. They're, he's not saying that he's doing anything for any particular reason, that's for sure. 
Uh, well, at the end of this phase one, we see O'Clock giving him like some congratulatory praise. He says that he's done a very good job. Well done. Uh, and then he explains phase two, uh, block off the major roads with a series of accidents. However, keep in mind that the objective is simply to limit incoming and outgoing traffic. So they don't want anybody being able to make it in easily, but they don't want the folks in Naruhata to get out either. And we see a handful of those like faceless, no moo, anonymous folks that you're talking about, like smashing cars or causing kind of like these traffic buildups. And with all the lights out, I would imagine that's causing some wrecks just in general and Ida kind of or not Ida but Ingenium kind of references that he says you know like oh, another traffic jam and it's not just the traffic lights shut down by the blackout like all these accidents are probably happening from these cars losing their electricity as well so uh, like things are getting really bad on the the road yeah and he's starting to grow increasingly suspicious of the scale of what's going on because it all seems far too well coordinated for it to be coincidence um so i think his suspicions are being aroused um phase three is for these trench coat mafia dudes to just cause trouble throughout the town and uh he, he's this is six and o'clock are just having these back and forth this this ghosty apparition of o'clock uh and there's the confirmation that these should just be minor things too and so one is just walking around punching windows another one decides that the most dastardly thing that he can do is just munch on some cabbage which i was like that is that is <laughs> dastardly i mean well, he's just chomping down on fruit and he's uh, doing and it vegetables he's doing it for free though like he's not paying it there's probably some guy there that's like at a farmer's market trying to sell his goods and here comes this guy just eating everything well, it's just funny, like relative to all the other things, right? That's true. So the yeah. things that are depicted are busting out windows, throwing what I think is like a soda two liter through windows, scratching up cars. Spray painting. Uh, yeah, graffiti, tipping over bikes and scooters seems kind of silly too. But then there's this one dude who's just chomping on some cabbage or lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dastardly, man. Doesn't oh, get any more funny. dastardly than that. That's really funny. I didn't even really pick that up the first time I read through this. It's funny, though, that the way that they explain it is they just want to create an atmosphere of unease where it just seems that like there's all these small little things going on. And it's just it's just enough that is off that it raises the tension in the room, so to speak, um, yeah. which I think is pretty smart. And their aim in all of this is to not draw so much aggro that all might get sent onto the scene, but to definitely be very disruptive and even in some very psychological ways, as they explain a little later. Yeah, he uh, he basically says, like, you know, we're going to keep doing this until they grow paranoid, just jumping at shadows, leaving them unable to cooperate and take appropriate action together. And we get a panel of a handful of people all standing near each other, and they all kind of are drawn to be uneasy looking like they don't trust the person standing to the left or right of them, right. which is a scary thing to, or place to be in, really. Like if you've ever been in a big crowd of people and something weird happens and everyone's kind of uneasy. That's like a natural feeling that humans get. You can tell when everyone around you is anxious and like it it definitely sets people's minds in a weird place. Yeah, those kind of emotions are very additive. Um so like it is a categorically different experience for you to watch a scary movie at your house by yourself versus watching the same scary movie in a theater full of people. Um, because as somebody in that theater screams, your adrenaline will pump reflexively into your body um, and you will feel apprehensive and scared 
in a way that you wouldn't had that scream not occurred had you been able to kind of hold yourself together in your own home. Uh, and so that tension, that apprehension, fear is something that I feel is additive. The more there is present in a crowd, the more there is going to be present in a crowd, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and O'Clock kind of explains that. He says this small slice of society will cease to function, having been divided on a psychological level. And Six responds back with divided, huh, kind of like Ole Racer and Koichi, which is a perfect segue over to them. They're all tied up. They're still playing tag. They're completely removed from the equation. And of course, Six is singing all this. There's little musical notes there. Yeah, and they come up on a scooter that's still working. Headlights still running. Um, Koichi is staying ahead of Aizawa, and then this little lady on a on a scooter looks up and is distracted by the two of them moving over her head and a can or something gets in her way and she begins to wreck on her little scooter and uh, it jumps the curb and is heading towards a couple of the pedestrians and then Aizawa and Koichi respond in the most heroic ways possible together. Yeah, it's nice. And uh, Aizawa even kind of like checks on him like, hey, you know, you good? Uh, Aizawa stopped the scooter from hitting the people and Koichi let this woman fall on top of him. And he says, yeah, somehow I'm good. And uh, he, they, I mean, they basically just like help each other out, get the scooter out of the way. There's a, a funny scene here where Koichi's sitting on the scooter, like trying to move it. Uh, and I guess <laughs> Six is aware of this somehow. Like, I don't know how he has eyes on the city. And that, I feel like that's a thing Six has done previously where he's been very aware of other things taking place around him. But we've not really been privy to how he knows these things. Uh, but he, he seems a little upset at first. He's like, oh, well, you know, they really shouldn't be teaming up. I'm not a fan of that. But O'Clock says that that's just a minor setback. Um, he says that, you know, they can't really do anything to derail their plan. And their big fear is ultimately All Might. If All Might shows up, that's bad. And, and they make this comparison like no other pro hero matters as long as it's not All Might. Yeah, and it's funny because all of the people at this scene of the scooter immediately rush to Koichi, who again, as I explained earlier, they see as a pro hero. And so even at the expense of Aizawa, like moving past the actual pro hero, uh, they go to Koichi and start asking questions that they would have asked of a pro hero. What's going on? What's with the traffic jams? Why don't my phones work? Um, and he's just like, uh, I don't really have any answers to that. And they finally eventually turn to Aizawa and say, you're a hero too. Right. Which implies uh, explicitly, actually, that they perceive Koichi to be a pro hero. Right. Um, as takes offense to that, he says, I am. But if you're implying that he is, too, you should know he's just a kid in a costume. So you're not going to get any answers from him. And this kind of baffles the Naruhata citizens minds. Yeah. They're like, wait, is that true? Like looking to Koichi. And one of them even says, well, that's just confusing. And so they turn back to Aizawa. Do you want to give us an explanation then? Like what's going on? And it turns out that he really doesn't know either. I mean, he obviously isn't aware of what's taking place. He's just been sent here to take off, uh, to take out Koichi. Uh, so he says, until we learn more, you're best off hunkering down somewhere. And that's all I can do. And they aren't happy with that answer. Like, that, you know, they want him to take more responsibility for this. And uh, Koichi's thinking, well, he's not exactly cut out for customer service, which I thought was pretty funny. It is an insightful comment on Koichi's behalf that surprises nobody who's read My Hero Proper or Vigilantes for very long. <laughs> right. As I was strong, strong point is not dealing with people. You remember how kind of shocking it was, I think, for him to be in a suit 
uh, after the incident, was it the USJ incident that he had to get up in front of, uh, you know, news reporters and apologize? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. You know, how awkward and out of place he seemed in all of that. Um, so, you know, PR is not Aizawa's strong point. He needs President Mike here. That would have been awesome. Why didn't they send President Mike after Koichi? Is he not good enough? I guess he's not fast enough. That's probably why. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he was a little bit more tightly tied to the school at this time. And and Aizawa was at the school. He was at UA when he got the call. That's true. Um, yeah. So, but I think that Aizawa may have gotten a call again because this used to be his old stomping grounds. So That's he has true. some ties here, not just to the area, but also to Koichi. Um, but see, this scene... If President Mike was there, they wouldn't have communication issues because he could be yelling at everybody from across the town. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, maybe they're calling him now if they could, but they can't. Right. Maybe they're like, damn, we wish President Mike was on the scene. Then we wouldn't have comm issues. Or maybe the EMP might have damaged Mike's little throat, throat speaker thing, too. I'm sure he can do something pretty impressive without it. But that is part of his, um, you know, hero. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I forgot that he has like an amplifier, basically. Yep. Well, they end up getting some communication from Best Genist, but in kind of a weird way, because he like sends out this weird looking thing that like it looks like a spider web, really. And it's attached to the light pole. And Aizawa keys in on this. He says, oh, it's a string phone, which I'm guessing the concept is like uh, the two cans connected by a string somehow. Yeah. Uh, but Best Genus says, calm yourselves, good people. And Best Genus and Ed Shot are there. And, uh, you know, Ingenium shows up. Like, everyone is now together. All the pro heroes with Koichi are standing there. Ingenium's immediately like, hey, is anyone hurt? Yeah, like, we got to take care of people. And uh, so he's asking Best Genus, you know, status report. What's going on? And, and they aren't really super sure, but he's trying to just calm the civilians. And that's what we've learned from My Hero Proper is like the first thing you do in a big emergency is get everyone calmed down and take care, take control of the civilians. I like the the string phone idea a lot because it functions even in the absence of electricity or yeah. in the in the like active suppression of electricity. This string phone thing still works, and it, it it's a silly application of this quirk that's also like genius. <laughs> you know I never I mean? would have thought of this. I'll be honest. Like, I, yeah, it makes me wonder if he's had to do this before. Right, right. Um, so we, we we catch back up to the rooftop with uh, six and this projection of o'clock. Uh, and they're still talking about how, listen, so long as All Might's not on the scene, they can have pretty much every other pro here, and it's not gonna, it's not really gonna be um, uh, that big of a deal. In fact, they said that it'll be, it'll amount to no more than a mere rounding error, which I thought was a really smart uh, mathematical way of talking about the kind of like deviation that they, that any pro hero besides All Might could actually make to their current plans. Uh, but we catch back up to Sukauchi and Co. Uh, who are standing outside of the hospital, um, and they're starting to worry about this coordinated attack as well. And Sukauchi's like, I need to get in touch with somebody at the head office, but I don't know how. i got to figure out what's going on. Um, and somebody comes out of the hospital to say that uh, there's a stat- there's something concerning the status of the special hospital wing that he needs to tell him about. And he says, I'll be right there. Uh, and then again, we have these little bubbles here at the end that uh, presumably from six that says all might will never deploy over an unseen threat. These mild, very subtle kind of chaos inducing elements that aren't, you know, you know, shooting off fireworks everywhere and drawing all the aggro. Uh, All might's not going to be deployed to anything like this, especially with so many pro heroes already on the scene um, who 
as best genuses, mood already kind of communicates our feeling like, hey, we haven't lost control of the situation yet. Once we sort it out, we'll figure it out. We'll 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 snuff it out. So it's fine. No, but none of the pro heroes seem on edge yet. You know, it it's when I was reading this, I was just thinking to myself, it would really suck to be a pro hero that could like read the villains' minds and realize that they are not worried about you at all, and that the only real like hero that actually matters to any of these villains is All Might. It would just make me feel so insignificant, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, though, tell me about your theory about this uh, O'Clock, because uh, you said you had some ideas on what may be going on here. Yeah. So I think last time I talked about what I thought it was, there was a little bit of back and forth between you and I about is this somehow the actual vestige, to use the term that we see in My Hero proper for the the different personalities that came with uh, the one for all inside of Deku, who he can communicate with and, and learn from and seem to be sentient inside of the one for all. Um, if maybe that's what we were seeing, I, I argued that I didn't think that was the case because this personality seems so very distinct from what we've seen of O'Clock or even of Knuckle Duster because he's very helpful. Um, of six of doing these things that I, I consider villainous. And I don't know that um, if if some part of Knuckle Duster or O'Clock was inside of six somehow, that that would be the personality or the the ethos that, that would come through on that. So I think I came to the conclusion that it's basically this like piece of his psyche. Uh, I think I compared it to Moon Knight, you know, having sure. these like, castings for different parts of of how his mind works i i still think that that's valid and and possibly true but i also wonder if there's not something more going on here like um because in this one there wasn't just um it was the way that o'clock in the in chapter 99 was speaking almost like an independent person to six instead of six kind of talking to him and, and, you know, and it almost being responses from the o'clock vestige being almost like a sounding board, like six hearing what he wants to hear. Um, I think that the o'clock in here was double checking things yeah, and being reassuring. Um, I don't know if that's a consciousness thing. I wonder if there is more, of a uh, sentience to this thing. If if there is, it has to be all for one somehow. I was going to say, well, like just throwing this out there, what if this is somehow an all for one projection? Like this could be all for one. He's just projecting himself using a quirk to six is O'Clock because that's how he's manipulating six. He knows that six looks up to O'Clock and considers him almost like a mentor. And I think he even referred to him as dad once, I want to say. Maybe I could be wrong about that. But he definitely sees him as a mentor kind of person. So it could just be, you know, all for one playing the game. We know he's involved at this point because we've seen him in the past when O'Clock was uh, invading the underground fighting club. So he's definitely out there. Yeah, I I think that you're leaning in the right directions. I can't, I don't, I don't think that it's a projection. I think that somehow all for one, if it is all for one is somehow in six's mind uh, that could be quirk related uh, because we know that uh, quirk or that six has been genetically modified somehow kind of like a Nomu. Um, So maybe that was part of it. Um, But yeah, I think you're right that he, if, if it is all for one, he has taken on this 
appearance of O'Clock for exactly the reasons that you said, that it is the most manipulative manner by which he can exert himself and his will over Six, even as Six does some of these, this seemingly petty Six stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm curious what it is that All for One's going to get out of this. I'm thinking that the the answer to that question is just experimentation. Um, where he has, he's excited that there are pro heroes here, um, that aren't all might. He's like, it's fine. The more that there are here, the more we basically get to see, um, of what these little creepy faced dudes in the trench coats are capable of what six maybe be is capable of as a kind of Nomu himself. I think that he sees this as like a big test and he wants, and he wants it to be a good test, not this like weak test where pop step and, and Koichi are the only people uh, on the ground trying to stop them. But now they've got legit pro heroes on the ground, um, have them up against the wall, so to speak. And I think that's what All for One is looking to get out of this is just a test. That's the only thing I can think because Six is being allowed to chase what I think, if I'm reading this correctly, is a a, a petty end. Um, but I think that it also aligns some or that All for One engineered things such that Six's petty revenge plot does also align with all for one's own goals. And so he's facilitating those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm really excited to see what comes in these next few chapters because these, these chapters weren't bad. They weren't really slow. They just they felt very transitional. Like we are getting ready for the big end. I mean, the way that they talked about this Naruhata nightmare is if it's Koichi's last final battle. So, you know, I'm surprised that there is roughly 20-ish more chapters already. Like, I, I'm surprised that they haven't ended it sooner. So something big is definitely about to happen. And I'm, I'm definitely ready to chew into these new chapters, man. Me too. I, I think that where the, uh, where the anime, or the anime, where the manga is currently is still within whatever this arc is called. We'll call it the Nightmare Arc, or uh, what was it that they called it at the very end of 98, the Naruhata something or another. Um, shoot. The Naruhata Lockdown, that's what it was. Lockdown. Yeah, lockdown, I think I'm mixing it. the two. I'm calling it the Naruhata Nightmare, which I think rolls off the tongue a little bit better, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't write the manga, so. So I think all of that is still ongoing um, in the, in the manga where it is, uh, it would be, I would not be shocked to find out that it, it was the final thing. So the end of this sees the end of Vigilantes. I feel like this is the scale of conflict and the, uh, kind of culmination or, or the merger of all these different plot lines that could be the end of a series like Vigilantes. Uh, and I think I could be okay with that. Um, I still think Knuckle Duster's coming back at some point with the knuckles that he took from Koichi's apartment. I know you still think it was Six who did it. I don't think that you're right. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still curious to see what in the world Soga found up underneath the tarps and how that does or I'm sh- it has to factor. That's a Chekhov's gun. Whatever it was is coming into play at some point too. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, we know we have that. We know we've got a big showdown between Koichi and Six is inevitable. Um, I'll be curious to see what kind of tricks Six has up his sleeve. I'm sure that he has come back a different man than what he was when he last saw Koichi. I don't know if that'll mean new quirks that he got in, you know, in him or or what. I don't know what that'll mean. I just know that it won't be like the last time. Um, whatever is different, it's going to be big. You think that we'll uh, see uh, Mirako or, um, oh, what's your, what's your buddy's name, uh, Rappa again? I mean, it felt weird for them to just introduce him and then abandon them like that. 
Mm, I don't suspect so. I could be wrong, and I would be pleasantly surprised if Rappa came back onto the scene, but that would feel strange right yeah, now, I given the setup. Maybe Mirko, but not Rappa. Yeah. Um, not even Mirko. She's not a pro, really, still. She's still a student. Would she be? Because, um, I mean, we don't know when that took place, like how many years oh, ago. Oh, no, so... you're right. You're right. I'm confusing the timelines. Yeah. She, I guess she could show up as a pro. I don't... If she showed up, that would feel a lot more organic than if Rappa was on this scene for it, whatever you know, reason. The only way I could see her showing up and it having relevancy is if they bring back that Nomu that was fighting in the underground pits. Like, if he ends up with Six somehow, then I could see a case of maybe Mirko's already on the scene and she's like, oh crap, I've seen this thing before. You know, like, I, I could see them doing something like that, but that's the only way I could see it. Uh, I wonder if Endeavor will make another appearance. You know, like, we're, we're hitting the end here. I'm just kind of curious what other pro heroes are going to throw in the mix. I'm not sure. Um, I think that in the end, Koichi is still going to be the big hero somehow. Um, you know, it's not going to be... I would suspect that it's not going to be the pro heroes who end up taking six out. That would feel anticlimactic Yeah, a bit. it would. It would. Especially after all that they've done in the last few chapters of showing us over and over again and very heavy-handedly being like, Koichi has gotten real good. Yeah. He's yeah. he's gotten good. Um, and so for them to do all that and then it ends up being anybody else that that uh, ends up winning the uh, winning the day out against um against six would feel strange to me. I'm curious to see what what happens to pop in the rest of this. I mean she's still recovering in the hospital wasn't in great shape. Does she stay that way? I, I would assume so. Like, she's not going to have some sort of instant recovery. Um, does she get killed? Are the villains successful in killing Pop while yeah. she's helpless? Because they're th th we end 99, and they're standing outside of the hospital. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and I feel like with this manga, they've been able to get away with a few things that My Hero proper couldn't. Like, they've been able to be a little bit more violent, a little bit more showy occasionally, because it's not as mainstream. It's not been as adapted yet. You know, it doesn't have to be kid-friendly at the moment. So, how crazy would that be if they did kill off Pop? That would feel that would feel pretty nuts. I think it would wreck Koichi, because right now, his stated goal is still to get back to the hospital. Like, right. that's what he's currently trying to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Surely he gets there at some point. But is he is he on time? Is he too late? I don't have answers to these things, but I'm very curious about them. Or maybe Knuckle Dusters is secretly posted up outside of the hospital as well. Um, maybe he has some intel on all this. Like he had a little bit of heads up, and that's why he went and retrieved uh, the the knuckles because he realized that this was going to be a you know a, a big a big moment for Naruhata, and he didn't want to be on the sidelines. He wanted to be present for all that. Um, he's definitely coming back. I agree. Before the end of this, he's, I agree. he's back. Yeah, 100%. he's got to come back. No way he doesn't. Yeah, so we've we've definitely got a, a lot to look forward to, but this does feel climactic. It feels like this is it. Um, and so I'm sure that, you know, after this arc, there there should be some uh, denouement, you know, to use that term. There should be like a chapter or two where we kind of see the fallout on the other side of uh, of all of what is about to take place. And then maybe that's when the series ends. Maybe there'll even be some sort of tie in to my hero proper, um, some meaningful tie in between the two at the very end. I don't know how they would do that because my hero proper is so far out, um, from all of this, but, uh, who knows? I, I, we could, we could be surprised. We're definitely here for all of it because vigilantes has been 
extraordinarily good for what it oh, is. Oh, I agree. It's sometimes I've enjoyed it more than my hero proper, honestly. I mean, it's just really, really well done. I agree. So in two weeks' time, we're going to be back here on the AMP covering episodes 100 and 101 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. Uh, In the meantime, if you like the dulcet tones of Adam and myself, you can catch us on a new episode of Kyo Cinema, which will come out uh, a Monday, uh, the next Monday, a week from the release of this particular episode of the AMP. We are covering the third live action offering or is it the second uh, the second the first second one, one was uh fight son goku win son goku this one is lovingly named the magic begins which is effectively uh you know i, I think it's like a, a copy of mystical adventure if i remember correctly yeah. uh, or it's yeah it's or it based was the on third it. one that's basically covering the very beginning of dragon ball yeah <laughs> yeah now this one looks like it's relatively easy to find if you go and google dragon ball the magic begins you're gonna find a copy of it somewhere so watch it i mean it's it's gonna be a blast to cover these live action films have been pretty intense uh so i'm excited to see this one i'm sure it's gonna be a blast i can't imagine it's gonna be better than fight son goku win son goku but maybe it's i'll impossible. be pleasantly surprised we'll see tune in next Could monday be. to find out it's just refreshing to watch something Dragon Ball that I haven't already seen. Agreed. And the the uh, fight Son Goku, win Son Goku in this definitely rank. Although, <laughs> like to I, be fair, last week we covered Cooler's Revenge, and that movie held up. That is such an awesome Dragon Ball Z movie. That's right. And if you're... If you enjoy and want to participate in some discussions about My Hero or Dragon Ball or literally any other anime, um, look in the... A description of this podcast and you will find a link to our discord or you can find us on twitter follow us and then the our pin tweet also has all of the links rss feeds websites discord channels all that stuff easily accessible we'd love for you to drop in say hello uh, and strike up a conversation absolutely we'll see you in a cute couple weeks see you guys